The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect that of the Up Together organization. I'm Candy Marie. And I'm Mena Diaz, and welcome to the Moving Up Together podcast. One stereotype about people who don't have a lot of money is that they don't know how to manage their money. That if they just learn how to budget and stop spending on quote unquote unfrivolous things, that they'd somehow increase their incomes, build up their bank accounts, and magically move into the middle class. It's all just a bunch of hocus pocus, right? (laughs) But you know what is magic is the way that people with limited incomes can stretch their funds, making a dollar out of 15 cents, plus the creative ways that they help others in their community. Absolutely, Mena. And with us today to talk more about this topic are Nilmetria Loper and Man Forward. Nilmetria, who also goes by Angel, is a mother of nine and lives in Detroit. She provides resources to other mothers in her community through her outreach initiative called Angel Is Here. Man Forward is a former chef turned artist. He's originally from Chicago, but now lives in Seattle, where he's involved in entrepreneurship and activism. Thank you both so much for joining us today how y'all doing how y'all feeling i'm good thank you for having me again i appreciate it uh to be able to be in this space yeah i'm doing well everything is great We gave you a brief intro, and we'll dive into their stories a little later. But what I want to know is what's one fun fact that the people should know about the both of you? Let's start with Man Forward. Oh, a really good fun fact about me is that I have a dog named Bruno, and he's the most awesome sunshiny, like, dog that ever existed. And um, he's made me a grandpa dad, so... Very soon, I shall okay, have some, some grand puppies. A grand pup dad? Okay, yeah. that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's a whole cool. new thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> I love so, it. Okay, so, so Man Forward is a grand pup dad. I love it. And how about you, Angel? Tell us a fun fact that people should know about you. A fun fact about me is um, I'm only four feet nine, right? But, like, you would think I'm seven feet tall. Like my energy and just my um, my will uh, is like the heart of a lion. And so to me, people be really surprised. Um, I come off as quiet and like laid back. But when I'm passionate about something and you'll be like, who is that person? <laughs> Where did she come from? <laughs> your, basically, your power is felt. That's what she's saying, Minna. Her power is felt. <laughs> it's she's going to stand there. You're going to see her. her. It's, it's her. It's not me. It's, it's her. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yep. All right. So, Angel, real quick, I want to uh, switch to you for a second. Um, you're a mother of nine. Um, can you tell us about a moment in time that you had a hard time making ends meet and what did you do? Um, what was that situation and what did you do in order to basically stretch that dollar and make sure that your family was taken care of? Do you remember a time? I remember plenty of times. Um, the first time I had to... Uh, go to a soup kitchen, um, being a victim of domestic violence, living in a new community, new neighborhood, um, really didn't have any support system. It's just me and my children. Um, 
to be able to pay the rent or purchase food mm-hmm. um, was something that I would have to deal with like every day to make a choice, like what I was going to do, um, you know, with the money that I had. So in order to stretch the money that I know that I needed, because I just had got the place, I needed to be safe. I needed to have shelter. Um, I would go to the soup kitchens that mm-hmm. other parents in the community told me about, um, which was very humbling, but I was then able to save that money. Um, instead of buying fast food, I wasn't getting food stamps yet. I had to start all over. This was a new beginning for me. So I wasn't on any system yet. Yeah. Um, but I was able to stretch my money to be able to buy, um, the things we needed and be able to pay my rent DTE, the water bill, um, but going there every day, you could go uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and being with other families. Um, that really helped me to be able to not end up homeless again, uh, being able to save, you know, that money, the amount that I would have spent um, if I had decided to do something else. Sure. And that's a scary situation. I mean, going from a domestic violence, I, I, I would assume that you left, you left everything behind, basically. That's, that's what you had to do. I didn't take one suitcase. I didn't take anything. I went straight to the police station, um, just me and my children. And they took us to the shelter, which then paid for us a home mm-hmm. in, another, in another area, a whole other space where I didn't know anybody. And I had to leave my, my like, cousins and friends um, to provide safety for me and my children. And so the shelter did their part. They paid for me new house and they relocated us. Um, but after that, they do a little aftercare, but then you're on your own in its mm-hmm. new space, in this new community. Um, and if you don't have, I wasn't working at the time. I had just had a baby. So if you don't have those financial resources, you're kind of left on your own, right? You have to kind of navigate it and figure it out. Um And so being in that community and just humbling myself and saying, Lord, I have to be able to ask for help, which is something very hard for me to do. Um, Because sometimes it's a shame attached to asking for help. It's like a stigma. Sometime in our community, we'll suffer so much. Like I'm not asking anybody for anything, but I had to take myself out of it and think about my children. Um, And did I want to be in a situation where I was homeless or have to go back to him? Um, I had to humble myself and say, I need to figure out another way to be able to take care of us and pay our bills and, you know, really be able to get on my feet and thrive. So I needed some other, some other resources to be able to do that. Okay. And man, what about you? Do you remember a time when, um, you know, you had to stretch that dollar out? Oh, absolutely. Um, there was one time when I was a chef and I was doing a community event and I very much did it at the like the lowest like price that I could for like their budget. And I just remember being in like the grocery store, specifically not buying like pre-made items um, and like, like pre-chopped onions or peppers or things that are already packaged to go um, and just like doing it on my own. So I remember like buying a big 25 pound bag of flour to make buns. I had to make like burgers and dogs and stuff like that. And I just remember like making hamburger buns on my own because I knew if I bought about 40 packs of hamburger buns, that was going to bust my budget. But I just remember like, oh, flour is cheap, add some water, yeast, and just I had to do like the labor part of it. So being a chef taught me a lot of how to 
pretty much do things from scratch in order to make a profit, even when I'm doing it on a budget. So that was one time I specifically remember that I was just like, oh, let me make these hamburger buns. Let me buy some whole onions, some whole peppers and just do the labor. Mm-hmm. And that way I can still turn a profit instead of just saying, oh, I busted my budget and you all are going to get like a quarter of what like your attendance is going to be. So that's one time I remember. Wow. And, and I appreciate you both for pulling from your own personal experiences. And, you know, I think that's something that Minna and I can definitely also relate to and some of our listeners that are listening as we speak. Uh, but what I'd love for you to do now is tell me about a time when you've seen others within your community be creative and stretch a dollar as well. Because just like hearing, you know, you, Angel, mentioned the soup kitchen. You know, and then you also, Man Forward, mentioned, you know, learning how to create buns, you know. Let's let's kind of uh, shift the conversation a, a little bit uh, because we've also heard words like shame and humble. And I think a lot of those things that we've had to do, they are already, you're already humbled, right? You're already feeling shame, but I think there's also shock attached to that. But I think that's also what makes us these creative individuals is pulling from a creative place where we were like, this is all I have, this is all I got, and I'm gonna work with what I got. So what are mm-hmm. some other people and some other things that you've seen do the same thing that was like, yo, that's actually really creative. Like, I, I, I love what they did there, but they made it work. Let's start with, uh, let's start with you, Angel. Oh my goodness, it was, um, I, I'm, I'm really thinking about her right now just because, um, a senior in my community, right, in the area where I live, she been selling dinners. Like, she just, uh, a senior in the community, and, like, she's the the block club. She's a community person. So she started to make ends meet because, you know, she's on a fixed income. She started um, selling dinners, right? And so then she developed this little pink shed, and it was on a a news, 2, 4, and 7. And I can't think of the name of her little Mm -hmm. kitchen, but then they shut her down. But that's how um, such a creative way to use what you already know how to do. She already cooked with love. She is like famous in Detroit, like for her for her meals and everything. And so then, you know, to be able to sell them only for six dollars when they should cost her meals should cost fifteen dollars and up. But she would feed the people who couldn't pay the six dollars for the full dinner and everything and made her a little mini kitchen in her yard. It was just the most creative thing for her to be a senior to say, you know what, I can do this. I can develop me a business. Um, I'm uh, on a fixed income, and this really, really helped my budget. So that was creative. That was innovative. Uh, even though she got shut down, they just didn't want her to be great. I just, I don't understand why they did that to her. Again, these systems, right? Um, but when I think about her, like she gave me some ideas of some things. I started my daughter a baking business because of that. Like, oh, wait a minute, you know how to bake good? She's like, oh, I want a baking business. And so just looking at people like that in my community, um, really using what they already have. Because we didn't have a choice. We have to. We don't have a choice. Leaning on our community and using what we already have. Thank you, Angel. I agree. How about you, Man Forward? Tell us about a time where you've seen someone in your community do something creative where they've had to stretch a dollar. Hey, um, I had a friend who um, had a baby and she just taught herself how to paint. And that was one of the most miraculous things I've ever saw because she was dealing with like postpartum. And that was one of her ways of like 
dealing with the pregnancy, being a new mom and everything, she taught herself how to paint. And for me, that was astounding because at first I was like, okay, you're just learning how to paint. But it turned out that she had talent. Like it was, it was just like really dope. And then over the course of like maybe three to four years of watching her and her child grow up and everything like that, her business just began to boom. And she started doing like painting parties and she started doing like full murals in the community wow. Wow. and everything like that. And then she opened up her own art gallery. So just in a span of knowing this person for like three to four years and her just being a self-starter with painting and then to have like an immaculate business in the end of like selling pieces, selling murals, selling tapestries, all that sort of stuff and just coming out of her soul. I was like, wow. So, and like, there we go. Isn't it, isn't it cool how we can turn pain into power? Mm -hmm. I was just my words exactly. Into positivity, <laughs> how we can turn. So, oh my goodness, so many great mm. words, so many seeds that we've had to plant that has manifested and turned into gardens. I love that. And I'm listening intently because I like ideas. <laughs> I like, like, yeah, I like ideas. Because I mean, if you really think about it, there's nothing original under the sun. It's some somehow some form of whatever it is has already been done. So why not learn, right? Why not take that up and, and learn how to paint, you know, learn how to start a baking business or just bake and then turn that into a business. So I love that. Um, so it, switching over to people who, who, who look at black and brown communities and communities of color in general that we don't know how to manage our money, right? That's why we stay at a certain income level. What do you say to people who believe that stereotype that, that basically if people manage their money better, they would have more money? What do you, what, uh, man forward, let's start with you. What do you, what would you say to someone who believes that stereotype? Um, so what I would say is kind of like a little bit of what Angel like hit on is like systems. Systems and institutions are definitely like harming what's going on in like our communities. Um, specifically, like historically, like when you look at redlining and like the civil rights movement and stuff like that, like a lot of people move from the South um, being sharecroppers or even managing their own farms and stuff like that to then come to the North or these neighborhoods where they were just like excluded from veteran home loans and all that sort of stuff by the, this practice of redlining. And to have to do like the mental gymnastics to get over something that's like institutionally prescribed is where that is where I kind of want to talk about is that it's nothing to really say besides those people just need to I, I stop using it as an excuse. Stop making like as if like black people or people that come from impoverished communities don't know how to manage money. When one thing that I can specifically say outside of redlining is everyday eating. People specifically take their money, go to a grocery store in, in an entire different neighborhood and like pay money into like that tax bracket or those like businesses in which they can just do it in their community. But then you have so many stigmas of violence, thievery and all that sort of stuff that will pro pro prohibit a big business from investing in a community when these people every single day get on the bus, train, drive to an entire different neighborhood and then add to that neighborhood's revenue all while they don't have any sort of like, I guess like data to show that, hey, we're really spending this money somewhere else where we can be spending our own neighborhood. So it's for those people who have this stigma about mismanagement of money or financial literacy being the main culprit of why like people haven't succeeded. No, it's just the systems and institutions that spend all their time with age-old data that's very racist in nature to and makes them not invest. Um, 
And I can just think of like specifically just like the entertainment industry, how black people have for so long, like created all these different genres of music and everything like that. And it's always like heaped back on black people that, oh, you can't manage yourselves or you need someone to manage you. But then when you look at like 1960, when Motown started, it was a multi-million dollar business in mm-hmm. the first year of just selling records. And these are black people owning, operating this and like empowering their community. So I feel as though, yes, we sh- definitely should get back to ownership, but also I don't really have words outside of the people who believe that should just read a book, get over it, like find some different avenue to update their thinking because the systems and the methods before are just they're outdated. Sure. Read a book. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Angel, what about you? What would you say to someone that has that stereotype? I just really feel like um, folks who think that, first of all, you have to be able to have the opportunity to be able to earn, right? Equity. You have to be able to um, have a start on a level playing field, being able to earn and educate yourself uh, educate your family in order to be able to have that income that you say, I don't know how to manage, right? Um, given a fair wage, given a fair chance, given uh, childcare, given all the things that you have, um, give it to me and you'll see what I'll do with it, right? And so just like Manford was saying, all of these systems were built um, for us not to be able to thrive, right? Like, if you get food stamps right now, they're going to give you just enough um, for your family. It's not half the time you really don't even have enough for the for the end of the month. So the system is not set up for you to be okay and just be relaxed and just live your best life on these on these systems on this welfare. Right, you could barely pay your bills. You you struggling, struggling, struggling. But then I say, well, I would like to go to school. Can I have childcare? Well, no, we're not going to pay for you to uh, childcare for you to go to school. Well, how can I get a decent job if I can't go to school? So again, just the barriers, the the, uh, the red tape, the rigmarole, the the BS uh, of what it takes for families like mine to be able to get a foot in the door um, is intentional. I feel like. And so give me the same resources that you got, honey. Uh, give me the same opportunity that you have. Give me the same resources that you have. And um, we'll see if you feel that way uh, after. Okay, y'all are over here dropping knowledge over here, gems, and I'm over here like, okay. So with that being said, with everything that you guys are saying, I definitely agree with a lot of what you're recommending. And I think that, of course, there are definitely things that we can learn from each other. So with that being said, I want to see you guys drop some more knowledge on our listeners right now. Um, what's one money lesson that they can learn from each of you? We're going to start with you, man. Forward. So I think I can start off with one thing that I always do whenever... Um, I have an idea is um, I started an LLC and I know that it could be like daunting as a task, but one thing that I can just give for free advice is starting an LLC is pretty simple. And when I say it's pretty simple, you don't need like a physical ID to show up and like register a business. So for anyone who has had trouble such as felonies or anything like that, a really cool way to start an LLC is to like go to secretary of state, fill out this um, form is different in each state and then pay like $150 to like up to $500 and start a way to like generate income. 
for yourself. And the thing about generating income for yourself is that there is no red tape where no one has to know that you have a, have a felony or you have all these sort of things that are harboring you. This business entity is an entirely different entity that's pretty much scot-free that people can pay you for your services or you can have an account to like deposit money. It's easier to get like a business bank account like that doesn't like check your like personal credit and all that sort of stuff. So if you have all these personal loopholes that like a social security is number is attached to, if you start an LLC for $150, a free EIN number and take that to a bank, here you are in a whole new category of like, hey, I have a bank account now. So here's a routing number and accounting number for invoices and stuff like that. So it just puts you on a different like foot than trying to go the route that's like systematically bars you. Because in a lot of communities, um, they are unbanked. And that's where kind of cryptocurrencies have come in and um, kind of changed that. I know like internationally, cryptocurrencies have provided opportunities for like the unbanked people to have an ability to like trade. But I know LLC, LLC is just one key thing. And um, another thing is just use credit wisely. That's, I know that sounds like standard, but um, using credit wisely gets you more credit. And that's just the way it kind of goes. And I don't, I don't understand it all the time, but I know that like for me, um, having a secure credit card is very good for me is because I'm able to add the money that I want to use and spend versus having an unlimited balance and going into the negative more quickly and having like an APR like swallow me whole. So it's really cool. Like, so LLC and a secure credit card will start to like put everything in motion for the financial tips that you need. So that's the reason why I can't give like individual, like a specified plan for anybody, but an LLC will allow you to have an entire different business entity, regardless what your background is established. There's no ID identification required for you to show up or say like, I am this, you're an illegal entity. I mean, you're a legal entity. And then getting a secured credit card where it reports to the credit bureaus and you're only spending the money that you have. And those are two secure ways to like, build credit or be out here legitimately and be about your business. I'm so glad you said that and you broke it down the way that you did because a lot of times we hear things like LLC or we hear things like credit, especially within our communities and it's scary, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when you don't come from money and nobody in your family has ever had an LLC or even had a bank account, like let's be real, right? I don't know a lot of people in my, in my family that even had a, have a bank account. Like I had to encourage all my siblings, legit, all my siblings to get a bank account because mm -hmm. again, we're afraid of the systems that have come before us because we've heard the horror stories. We've also heard, you know, what has been passed down to us. So we have to educate each other and let each other know, look, it's not that bad, you know, just try it out. It's just like when I go to a restaurant, I have to persuade my sister not to get chicken fingers because <laughs> you know, she's like, look, this is what I'm used to. This is what I want. And I'm like, sis, well, you know, why don't you try to, the, you know, the, the, the salmon, let's just try it, mm -hmm. see if you like it. But again, we just got to take it one step at a time. So thank you for laying that out nicely and plainly, um, you know, for, for some of our listeners, because what we don't know Sometimes we don't know until somebody introduces us. And um, Angel, so thank you for that good point. How about you? Let us know what is a money lesson that our listeners can learn from you. I'm gonna just say this: 
that I'm a mother. And so I think about things in like a different aspect. Right. Um, And so in order to get a financial mindset, you first have to change your everyday mindset. Mm. Right. Like change starts with your thinking. Come on. Some of the five people you be around. So whoever you be around every day, you are the sum of those five individuals. So if you're around five individuals that's not doing nothing, that's not getting nothing, that has a woe is me spirit, uh, I'm not going to do anything better than I already am doing. That's which, that's the kind of energy you're going to flow with, right? So for me, it's really about mindset. You can't get to this level until you change these things right, about your situation. So for me, if I wake up and say, it's going to be an amazing day. I don't care if my car was down, my baby was sick, in Jesus' name, she's healed. Guess what? I can go to work because I got to ride. I get to do these things. If Perspective is everything. And until you start changing, you're thinking about your situation, and it could be a bad situation. I'm not in the best situation still financially, and I have a job. But at the same time, I get to go to work. I get to do what I'm passionate about. I get to see, let my children see me be strong and whole. I get to do these things. Not like, oh my God, I get to, I got to go do this. So it's a perspective is everything. And how you wake up in the morning, how you choose to wake up and switch your thinking. See, we got to unlearn all that mess. We have to unlearn it. And if you don't speak to yourself every day and speak some life into yourself, into your babies, into your community, ain't nothing going to change. You can't get to the LLC and everything. If your thinking still messed up, if your thinking and your process is what you do every morning before the sunrise, what you do right then, if you say your affirmations, if you journal, if you say a quick prayer, whatever it is that you put out into the atmosphere, that's what it's going to be. Right. So you surround yourself with good people. You surround yourself with people who know more than you. I don't want to be around the dummies that I, I know more than. I want to be around some people that know more than me. Some people that's doing right, more than me. I want to be around some mothers that's so powerful that I feed off their energy to do better for my kids. So that's where I am with it. So before you get to the LLCs and the businesses and everything, you got to change about how you wake up in the morning. So once you can change that and your mindset and the direction you want to go in for that day, I don't give a, I don't care what done happen to you that day. If you still breathing, you got a chance to change it. You got a chance to do one thing for yourself on that day. That's going to make your life better for you and your kids. See, I think about it real different. I I just do. And um, I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm saying for me, that's right. And that's what I try to give other mothers like some, you know, you you have all the power in your hand to change your life. Ain't nobody coming to save you. What you going to do every day? I don't care if it's that one thing. If you write your affirmations, if you manifest like today is going to be amazing. I'm going to get a promotion at my job today. I just got a promotion last week. I've been saying it all year. Come on. Yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> what I say my life is going to be is that's what it's going to be. If I say, well, you know what? Tomorrow I got class um, for my GED because I am in class for my GED. At, I'm about to be 50. What I say I want for my life and for my children's life is what it is. And until you change your thinking and the way you do things and the way you move and the way you shift in the world, nothing is going to change. You can't get to the businesses. You can't get to the money. You can't get to the financial freedom. You can't get to all of those things until you do something. When God wake you up every day, be intentional about how you're going to start your day, no matter what life throws at you. Amen. We asked for a lesson. We got a dissertation. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, every word. I mean, every word. 
Angel, can right, I just tell you for a second, I, I heard my mother coming through your voice. Like, I just heard my mom come through her because my mom would say the same thing to me. Absolutely. And we hear this a lot, you know, as, as girls, um, no one's coming to save you. No one. It's up to you to save you. Yep. I don't care about, oh, okay, it's the systems and everything, but what am I going to do about it? Yeah. Right. How far am I going willing to go to educate myself? I do it in a backwards way. Right. I take all the trainings and all the certifications. I don't have a formal education, but I ed educate myself in other ways. And my life experience is my education. Right. And so I just think about me not having an education. I just think about it differently. And my education is more valuable than a master's degree on any given Sunday. <laughs> hey, That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. And those thoughts will those thoughts are those are the things that are propelling me towards freedom yeah. finances yeah. and everything else is coming with it it's coming yeah and those and those and those individual mantras or journaling or whatever it is that you do you're right you're absolutely right if we don't start changing our own individual mindset then we we can't start either we can't move forward and then we also can't be an influence within our communities so to other folks right to other people if you don't believe in yourself, how are you going to get this mama that's feeling like she want to die to believe in herself and that she can make it to tomorrow and that you can believe in yourself? And you, the great I am says that you are more than the sum of what you are right now. Mm -hmm. your, your, your experiences don't define you. Your past does not define you. Any of that. Who you are right now, right now, at this very second, right now. And I'm so full of love. I'm so full of God. I'm so full of my community. I'm so full of just joy right now and I have nothing if you don't have that for yourself and that thought process about how loved you are in this world how can you how can I help other other people to feel that mm -hmm. right and speaking it of definition to do what I have that's tangible right now nothing mm -hmm. and speaking of definition angel um help me answer this question where people define your community, right? As, as, as different things, people define community as different things. How would you define your community? I define my community as resilient. My community is, uh, um, a mass of up and comers of overcomers, my community is powerful. My community, the folks in my community are thought provoking. They affect change, whether it's my little black club, my black club leader, like 89 years old, oh. <laughs> right? But he still have a will to save his community, to care about the families in his community, right? That don't go away. Once it's embedded in you, it don't go away. And it's infectious, right? And so that's how I see my community. And it just makes me want to continue because uh, I'm going to be 89 doing the same thing. I could see mm -hmm. that for myself. Him and his little wife, I just, they inspire me so much about who you think would inspire me. They inspire me. You know, they done been through, can't, they got to stand at the black and white. You know, they can't go in through that door. If they've been mm -hmm. through the hard stuff, what we going through ain't nothing. They done been through that. And so to see them still doing the same things and uplifting and empowering, like that's where I want to be. That's the goal, right? That was felt. Mm -hmm. That was felt. And man, what about you? How do you define your community? Uh, I'll use a word, achievers. Achievers. Okay. Like, 
just as Andrew said, resilient achievers. Like I know we all have the, I know we all want to be in a space where we have like total liberation, but every day, a lot of people get up and do what they need to do to just achieve and thrive for themselves and like tap into their imagination and the things that they want. And like Andrew was saying, like putting manifestation into action, like writing mm -hmm. it down, believing it, saying your mantras, all of that is a currency of thought. And I feel like when you have a currency of thought, you're just become an achiever. And it's not to say it's just like simple like that, but once you tap into the imagination of things that you see that are not there yet, they become so. Yeah. You live as though they already are. Yeah, right. exactly. I live yeah. my life like those things have already happened. <laughs> <laughs> because I believe they will. Mm -hmm. And if I don't believe, how my daughter's going to believe? I got six mm -hmm. daughters. How they going to believe? Because mm -hmm. they're always watching. they always watching. they always they looking watch. what, what mommy's going to do. Mama, what class you finna go to? Mama, you finna go to your other job? <laughs> yep. I will see y'all when I get home. Can you bring some food? Yep. Don't be too tired to cook. If they don't see me believing in myself, even when it get hard, I do it scared. I do it lonely. I do it afraid. I do it just don't even know how I'm going to do it. But I, I just know what God speak to my spirit about what I have to say for myself. Right? Right. Right. And, and speaking of them watching you, because you're both doing so much greatness in your communities. I want you to tell us uh, what you're doing and why it was important for you to get involved and help others. Let's start with you, Man Forward. Oh, um, a couple of things was very crucial for me to get involved is that because I'm in Seattle and I moved from Chicago, um, I didn't see any black people. That was my first thing. I had to go find black people. And Seattle is probably like 60 something percent white and 30 percent other and about 5 percent like black in certain pockets. So I pretty much had to go find black people coming from a space of like being around black people all the time. And I thoroughly enjoyed that process. So I got connected to a couple organizations and that led to a lot of things, which kind of came to a point of me creating a tea house. And so right now as an entrepreneur, I'm working on a tea house in which people can come have like a no frills experience around tea where you can get like tea to go or you can get tea like served to you in a ceremony style and just sit there, chill, relax, have a cup of tea. But then also the premise is be around black history or global black history of like all the books and all the artwork that people f like are slept on. I want to have a space where all this is accessible to people where it's not like you say black and there's immediate like fright in somebody's heart. It's like, these are what wonderful people are out here doing and creating and to have the opportunity to share that space with people coming in the future. That's, that's where I reside. So that's amazing. I love that. A tea house. Why, mm -hmm. uh, how did that come about? Uh, I kind of don't like coffee that much. So <laughs> and Starbucks already got like the grocery stores, the corner stores, Starbucks is everywhere here in Seattle. And it's just because yes, it started here, but also that's the way like business works. It's like, you have something good. You just scale it all the way up and they scaled Seattle. Like, out of space with Starbucks. So I wasn't gonna be competing with all the cafes and stuff like here. But I looked around and I saw that there were only like two really good tea houses and then like maybe seven total like tea shops. Yeah. So and then none of them are black. So I was like, oh, yeah. I have all this artwork. I have all these books. Why not just serve tea in a no frills way in a very like, 
very much black way where it's like no reservations because sometimes there's a thing in tea kind of like tea snobbery where you know where all these provinces where teas come from and stuff like that and this becomes like overwhelming so my tea house won't have that like if you want to ask a specific family or tea or something like that we'll tell you but it's not going to be throwing like info all down your throat like if you like the taste of this tea this is where it came from this is how much it costs an ounce if you want a whole cake of it here you go if you want to just drink it go for it but I don't yeah. know. I just want to get. I want to have a really simple business that doesn't choose to like beat people upside the head with vocabulary and jargon, and like just let them understand what they just reside on the inside instead of trying to get them to a place. You know? Can I say something? Go for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, because I don't want to forget. But that's so funny. Let me tell you how things work out. So um, I was at a, at a community event uh, two weeks ago. And a, a lady, I'm doing an event for families, October 29th at the library, Harvest Fest. Right. Uh, but anyway, she said, because you only help women, I want to donate you um, uh, all of these tea sets. Because I told her, um, I do, I give women like journals and stuff like that. Um, so they can write out their feelings and thoughts and and just manifest and feel empowered and just uh, those are the kind of events that I do. And she said, I told her that I wanted to have a tea party. She said, you know, somebody, I inherited like some tea sets, like some real tea sets. And she said, you can gift them to the women for your next event. And so around tea, it's not just tea, right? It's like whole hard conversations. Yeah. Tea is uh, healing for one, for our bodies, but mm-hmm. also for our minds, just to be able to cultivate those conversations and everything. So you thinking about tea? I'm thinking about tea. She donating the tea like we know. Around tea, right? So, yeah. You know, some good healthy teas, some other kind. Of, you you know the tea business. I don't. I'm just into it for the conversations and for the healing aspect aspect of it and the fellowship for the women. Um and perhaps they daughters. Now you got me thinking about what I want to do around this tea. That's awesome. That's awesome. So just to wrap us up, we'd like to play a little game uh, called free game, right? So basically, this is your chance to tell your politician and organization what they're doing wrong or what they're doing right. Uh, but mainly, what would you what kind of changes would you like to see them make? Um, and this could be general to someone specific. Angel, what what would you say to um, an organization, a politician or someone in your community um, that you would like to see them either change or or um, or fix? themselves out of the position voluntarily (laughs) saying um that i am not the person for this you know the people who actually are living this experience should be in my position i'm going to kindly step down and allow the people who have to live by these decisions to make their own decisions for what's best for their communities and for their families that's what i'm going to do so that's what i want to see them do I love that, Angel. That's that's real. That's so real. Said, go ahead and step down. Put the yeah. power back yeah. where the power belongs, right? In the hands yeah. of the people. Mm. That's it. So they could step down. That's what I want to Yeah. Have politicians that can distribute money or disperse money to people who need it or what it's for. And um I'm only I'm only saying that because it kind of ties into like my LLC point and Angel's like imagination point is mm-hmm. like you get to all these spaces where you have vacant lives or you have people being inactive, but these people have an imagination. They have things that they want and it 
having a great politician in office to say, hey, these funds are siphoning this way. Let's turn that spigot off and turn it this way and do this. And then the people's imaginations manifest. And then you have prosperity. And then you have a community that supports itself, not just people voicing their opinions all the time. And that's the drudging part of a politician's job. Mm-hmm. No, really listen to the public and figure out like how to put money in the right direction and make what people imagine real and manifest. And you'll see how much peace we have. So mm-hmm. not even just money. I feel like policies, at least if you're not going to step aside, I feel like, the <laughs> you know, at the very least, Listen to the people who know best about what it is that they need, what can help their families and help their communities, right? Uh, let us be your advisors. Let us teach you, right? Um, and then it'll be beneficial for all. Um, and until those, their thought processes change, that's the thing. You have to change people's thinking, change people's perception um, about what they think we know about what they think we don't know or can't do, like allow us to teach you, allow us to show you the way um, and how to help us and be a part of that, be a bridge in the, in a community, be a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now that's what I call free game, Benna. <laughs> I mean, you close out a show. Straight champs, right? Straight, listen <laughs> here, we have had two of the most phenomenal guests. We appreciate all the free game you guys have distributed this entire episode um so what we need our listeners to do is take this information that has been given to you and share it with someone else because the goal is to what move up together thank you guys all so much for joining us and thank you at home for listening by the national nonprofit Up Together and produced by Creative Differences. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.